Hey, Online Church, thanks so much for uh, joining us in the, the new normal. And uh, this is the second week we've done this. And if you're here last week, uh, thanks for being back again. Um, last week actually was the first time we've sort of done everything online, but it was it was fun. It was trying. Big thanks to the comms team. But we had people everywhere from the Middle East to Switzerland uh, to um, obviously, obviously North Carolina to Canada, uh, all different places. And so wherever you're from, thanks for tuning in. Let me give you a couple of things uh, right off the bat. Uh, first of all, keep your stories, uh, emails coming in. Uh, right before I uh, even came out, was looking at a story that somebody sent in that not only was about a phenomenal financial provision they'd been given, uh, but also the fact that it was last week that their, uh, one of their children gave their life to Christ in their living room during the online service. So keep those stories and we'll try to share them little by little. Uh, as the weeks go on. And then secondly, uh, there's a ton of resources we put together, not just during the week, uh, but also right now. And if you'll just go to builtmorechurch.com slash resources, you can get everything from discussion guides for adults to uh, children to students to whatever. We want to shepherd you uh, during, this, uh, during this time, all right? But it is a, it is a, it's a crazy 10 days or so, right? I mean, not, I don't think, uh, it, wasn't, it doesn't seem like 10 days ago where we were sort of going through the ups and downs of our normal routine, and then, like the whole world seemed to change. The proverbial boulder just got dropped on our heads, and now everything looks uh, very, very different. And it can be unnerving, uh, and it can be scary, and it can be uh, just how, how do we navigate this new road when you've got infrastructure being pressed, uh, stock market going crazy, uh, people getting sick. It's like, what, what do I do, what do I do in, this, in this time? How do I, as a follower of Christ, respond in a way that's good for people and glorifying to God? And again, last week what we did is we saw that God is both good and God is great, all right? God is both caring and God can. He is a gentle shepherd, but he's also a sovereign king. And so that was kind of last week when we looked at the Gospels. And what I want to just tell you this is, is I know it's an unnerving time, but Please believe there is, no, there is no panic in heaven, all right? God is not up in heaven pacing back and forth, rolling up his sleeves, trying to figure out what to do. There is no panic in heaven. There's just plans. But the question is, how do we walk in this day and time uh, with that? Because uh, one of the things you might not know is in history, when you look down through history a number of times, uh, what has happened is God has oftentimes received tremendous amount of glory. The gospel has gone out into the world quicker than it oftentimes does uh, when God's people have to walk through these times of difficulty and trial. One I mentioned in the Facebook Live uh, earlier this week was about 160 or so uh, in Rome, a plague broke out and uh, everybody was fleeing the city. Everybody was trying to get away from the mess and uh, God's people move toward the mess. How do we minister to the people? How do we walk in faith? And yet also, how do we minister and love our neighbors? All right, how do we love God? How do we love our neighbors? And as they walk toward the mess, not that the gospel had not already gone out in the first 160 years it had, but it exploded. Historians say that right about that time, the way the Christians responded to that difficulty, the gospel exploded in unprecedented ways. And so, uh, man, take heart. Uh, our, our prayer is that, you know what, there's, there's going to be a time when this season uh, is going to be over. And what we want to do is we want to look back at what, what God did. And you want to be able to look back and say, this is what God did during that crazy pandemic time. This is what God did in my family. This is what God did in my this is what God did in my church. This is what God did in my community. 
You want to be able to look back and say, what do I need to do to say, I've got stories that look what God did in my family. He strengthened my marriage. He discipled my kids. Look what he did in my church. Man, it was going good before, but it's like next level now. And then what did God do in my community? That's what we want to do. So today we're going to actually be in the Old Testament and a church like ours, what we believe is that every book, Old Testament and New Testament, is just a neon sign pointing to Jesus. And so even going back to the fourth book of your Bible, there's a book there called the book of Numbers, all right? So we're going to be in Numbers 13. It's an amazing story of how do you walk either in fear or how do you walk in faith? And so what we're going to be talking about today is how do we have a faith that actually is greater than the fear uh, that is there? And what we're going to see in this story is some passed the test and some failed the test, all right? Some walked in faith and some walked in fear. So let me get a little bit background on numbers. Numbers uh, picks up about two years, let's just call it post-Egypt, all right? So two years post-Egypt, two years post the time when God rescued his people from slavery, delivered them, and this is about two years in, and there's a guy in the story named Moses, one of the most famous guys in the Bible. And so Moses' job is to herd about two million people uh, to the promised land. And the book of Numbers talks about this, and for about 10 chapters, it goes awesome, all right? And then in about chapters 11, 12, it starts to go downhill and goes downhill quick. And then in chapter 13, where we're going to be is, uh, what do we learn from them? Because their story is our story. They were called to go into a scary situation, and some were so fearful they balked at it, and some were faithful, and they got to enjoy the promised land. So, again, Numbers 13, whether you got your app out, whether you got a leather Bible, whatever it is, they're going to be on the screen, but at the same time, it's always good, Bible open, highlighting, underlining, all that kind of stuff, so you can go back and learn, right? So, again, Numbers 13, and let me read the first three verses to you. Here's, here's the way it goes. Uh, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, listen to this, send men to spy out the land of Canaan. And this is super key. I can't emphasize this part enough. Which I am giving, which I am giving to the people of Israel from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. These are like the seal, spiritual seal team. He's like, get the best, most spiritually mature people, and they're going to be the ones that go out. And here's verse 3, and then we'll kind of put our first principle out there. So Moses sent from them, from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. So here's what I want you to do. Just put down uh, kind of one thing, because how are we going to get this faith that's going to overcome fear? And here's the first thing you got to understand, all right? It is that this kind of faith has to be grounded in promises that God has actually said. I mean, what has God actually said? That's why I wanted to emphasize, which I am giving. This was a done deal. This was a done deal. God said, I want you to go there, but I've already got the land. God had promised to them this land, the spy expedition that he sends them out. Listen to me, this, this, was not, this was not to simply seek the will of God. This was not to say, let's go into the land to see if we can take the land. This was not, hey, let's go into the land to see if we're faster or quicker or stronger than the people in this land. The spy expedition, the whole thing, was not to seek the will of God, but it was to reap the will of God. You gotta understand this. All of the biblical faith we talk about is not some pie-in-the-sky power of positive mental attitude. This is grounded on what has God said. Now, here's a little thing. You can look over. There's another book called the Book of Deuteronomy that repeats some of this scene. And it was interesting in studying this. In this same scene, God's plan A was actually, hey, I promised the land to you. You've got to the land. It's time to go in there and conquer it. 
but they balk. They balk. They're like, ah, it's scary over there. There's bad people in there. And he's like, listen, I've already won it for you. I've already promised it to you. It's something that's part of what I've given you, but they balked. And God is so gracious and so loving. What he does, he says, listen, all right, what I'm going to do is we're going to send a spy expedition over there. They're going to go over there. They're going to see how awesome the land is. They're going to come back, give you a great report, and you guys will be so encouraged that you want to go over there. But you see, that's not all that happened. So here, keep this in mind. Faith is not, here's a couple things faith is not. Faith is not, biblical faith, faith that actually conquers fear, is not some kind of put your head in the sand, ostrich kind of, let's ignore the reality of what's going on in real life. That's not biblical faith. That's fantasy is what that is. It's also not sort of, again, it's great to have a positive mental outlook, but biblical faith is not some kind of talk myself into having a power of positive thinking, all right? That can be just foolishness. What biblical faith is, is an active confidence. It's an active confidence that God will actually keep his promises, that God will keep his word. Listen to me, God's a promiser. God's a promiser. All throughout the Bible, there's promise after promise after promise. He's a promiser and he always fulfills his promise. Unlike some of us, I mean, I wanna keep my promises, but there's been times in my life where I promised something and I haven't done it. Maybe I forgot about it. Maybe I was unable to fulfill it, even with the best of intentions. Sometimes I'm like, I can't be in two places at once. When God makes a promise, he always answers it. He answers it on time every single time. But here's what you got to understand. A biblical promise is like a, it's like a receipt that you get when you purchase something. When you purchase something online, you, you get the receipt automatically. And when you get that receipt, what that's telling you is you own this. This is on the way. But you have confidence because you're holding the receipt. It might be one day, it might be three days, it might be a week, whatever. But you know, you know what? Whatever that was is coming your way. Now listen to me. What a biblical promise is, it is like a receipt that you hold on to. Because you pray or you claim a promise one day, and it might be one day or many days before you actually see that promise fulfilled in your life. But what happens is, as you hold on to that receipt, that helps you to actually walk by faith. You're walking by faith saying, you know what? This is a promise, a receipt that God has given me to hold on to while I wait for that promise or that prayer to come through. And so as you hold on to that, this has everything to do with how you relate to God. I can't say this any more earnestly than this. Unless you learn how to hold on to the promises that God has actually made you, your Christian life is going to be like a roller coaster. It's just going to be up and down and up and down and up and down and especially during scary times. And those scary times are going to run the gamut in your life. It might be COVID one day. It might be cancer the next day, all right? It might be financial one day. It might be a prodigal the next day. But if you don't understand how do I lay hold of God's promises, then fear will overtake you. Because here's what fear is. We talked about it last week. Fear, fear is about the future, all right? Regret is about the past, but fear is about the future. What's up ahead? What's coming next? Will we be okay Will my family be okay? Will I have to work until I'm 80 because the way the stocks went? Whatever those are, it's a fear of what is up ahead. And when you lay hold of God's promises, and the estimation is there's about 3,000 promises in the Bible. Now, some of you are going to probably say, well, yeah, but Pastor Bruce, some of those are unique experiences and unique to those situations, and they certainly are. 
But jot down 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and it says in some way, in some God-honoring, Christ-fulfilling, blood-bought way, it says that all of the promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. You're like, what does that mean? I don't really know. All I know is in some way, in some way, all of the promises God made are yes and amen in Jesus and in the gospel. And so one of the things that I found helpful during unnerving times is to actually pray some of the promises back to God. Just pray them back to God. I mean, some of the ones just going down, and some of them, it's going to run the gamut. For some of you, it's the prayer of conversion. The prayer of, a prayer of conversion is, for example, the Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And maybe that's where you are. You're like, I'm not sure. Man, I'm scared to death. People are panicking. I'm not sure if I even know the Lord. Then you can sit there and say, you know what? I want to call on the name of the Lord right now. And what that is, is, you know what? Jesus did on the cross for, for me, somehow counted for me. When he says it is finished, that counted for me, and I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. Then what you have the assurance of when you say, that's what I want, and that's who I'm inviting into my life, and you can do it right now. The assurance, the receipt you have is the promise God said that to all who call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Others of you are worried to death about your kids. Uh, Psalm 127 is a great one just to pray for your children. It says, children are like arrows in the quiver of a warrior. And there's been many times I've, I've just prayed Psalm 127 over my kids, over my boys. It's like, God, I t- would you just take them and shoot them in the direction that you want them to go? Will you shoot them in the direction of the gospel and of Jesus and use them in a great, great way? And so you got promises galore for that. Uh, a prayer that I pray for our church all the time. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do abundantly beyond all we can even think or imagine, to him be glory in the, in the church, in the church, and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. So what does that look like? It'd be praying. It's like, God, right now, during the time of this panicky time, would you please use our church for the glory of God? And you're like, well, isn't that kind of a, a is that a big prayer? It says here to, to ask, and he will do beyond what you can even think or imagine. So you pray big prayers. Uh, some of you are like, you need to pray a prayer when you're tempted, whatever your main temptation is. I mean, pray something like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says, no temptation has overtaken you, but that which is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a means of escape. So your prayer is something like this, and you just repeat 1 Corinthians 10, 13 back to him. It's like, God, I'm praying that you would show me the escape route. This temptation has kicked my rear so many times, but you say in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that I don't have to do that. It's not going to overcome me. It's common to man, and you've provided a way of escape. You see how that goes? Just pray the prayer. Some of you are like, I just need some help. I don't know what to do. I need some guidance. Maybe Isaiah 41, 13 is one that you would do. It says this, For I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. How awesome is that? God, what you say right there is that you will actually hold my right hand as I go into these uncharted waters. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to say to my family. I don't even know how to find a job, whatever. But God, you say that you hold my right hand. And so right now, and just, and just pray that. And so again, first of all, if we're going to have a faith that we look back on and say, man, a year from now, two years from now, look what God did. It's got to be grounded in what God has already said, God's promises. Let me give you a second one. We're going to spend a little bit of time on this as we go through the rest of the story. Biblical faith sees, it sees the opportunities. Fear actually, fear actually sees the obstacles. Fear sees the obstacles. 
Faith sees the opportunities. The way we're going to put it is just faith sees the opportunities and not just the obstacles. Because it's not like there's not going to be any, but it sees the opportunities, not just the obstacles. Let me read you the rest of the story. It's a cool, cool part of the story. Skip down to verse 25. And it says, at the end of 40 days, they returned. Remember, he sent the spies out. You can read those stories in between it. And by the way, in these stories, it lists all the spies from like verse four on. It lists all these spies. And you're like, I don't even know any of these guys except two. You're right. The two that you know were a guy named Caleb and a guy named Joshua. I mean, I hear those names all the time. I hear those names all the time. We dedicate babies all the time. Their name is Caleb or Joshua. Those are well-known names. People, it's like, I want to be a Caleb. I want to be a Joshua. Those other 10, man, nobody ever... I've yet to sit there and go, oh, here's this baby. You don't know their names. Why? Because they're like in the land of the forgotten. Why? Because they were in the land of fear and not faith. The ones that were in faith, Caleb and Joshua. So at the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and all of the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness. Now, right there, just imagine. Here is all these people. They balked initially but they know it's promised. They know God's already given it to them. And they send out these Navy SEALs and they're going to come back and give them this awesome story. All right. They're going to give them this great story. And we're like, we're going to go in and our faith is growing and it's going to be a great day. And look at this awesome stuff we get. And look how the story goes. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them it says the fruit of the land. Now, what that basically means is they went into this promised land and they brought back all these figs and pomegranates. They brought back grapes that were like stretched out on a pole. Like this is some great, this is some great, great stuff. And so people are probably getting pretty fired up. But before we even look to this next verse, you got to understand this. The next word you see is the word however. We're going to get to it in a second. Some of your translations say nevertheless, some of your translations maybe say just the word but. And when you see however or nevertheless or but, here's what you got to understand. When God says that in the Bible, that's always good news or almost always great news. It's great news when it's going along and God says then nevertheless or but or however. I mean, a classic example in the New Testament, Ephesians 2, it says this, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God, or nevertheless God, or however God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made alive together with Christ. And he says, by grace are you saved. So again, when God says it, it's typically great news. When people say it in the Bible, it's typically bad news. And that's the way it is here. So look at this next verse. However, The people who dwell in the land are strong. They just talked about how awesome the land was. Look at the opportunity, but now they're going straight to the obstacles. The people who dwell in the land, they're strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Those are, some, those are some obstacles. I'm not saying that the obstacles weren't there. But notice the difference between the way they did it and then verse 30. But Caleb, and Caleb's our, Caleb's our faith-filled guy. And Caleb quieted the people before Moses. It's like, shh, 
shut up, stop saying that, and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Please see this. There's two groups here. One's a group of 10, one's a group of two, but these two groups, they see the same situation. They see the same obstacles. They see the same scenarios. They see the same kind of scary things that are there, and they see the exact opposite things. One heart is filled with fear. One heart is filled with faith. One group lacked confidence that God would actually do what God said he was going to do, and the other one said we have utter confidence that God will do exactly what he says he will do. And here's what you got to see is one group died in the wilderness. They just died in the wilderness. One group got to go into the promised land. And, and some of you are like, well, I, I got some of these doubts. I got some of these doubts. I'm not sure about, and you just named the question. Here's something I want to just kind of clear up as a little side note. The opposite the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is actually, it's actually fear. Because when you talk about doubt, I mean, God is very patient toward the honest doubter, the one that's like, I want to believe, but I just got to get some questions answered. Listen, if you've got a lot of doubt and you've got some stuff that just needs to be answered and figured out, just be, you have a potential to be a really great disciple. Because the disciples you see, through, they all doubt it. Thomas gets a bum rap, but they all doubt it. But Thomas is the one everybody knows because he got the nickname Doubting Thomas. And if you don't know that whole story, Thomas, Thomas is the one who, like all of them, they thought Jesus was going to come in and throw hands with the Romans and end the suffering of the Jewish people. And then he sees Jesus die in humiliation and shame and get buried, and his whole world is shattered. It's just shattered. And even though 10 of his friends come up to him, it's like, Thomas, Thomas, you won't believe it. We just saw Jesus alive. We just saw him alive. We've talked with him. We've seen him. Jesus rose from the grave. He's like, he makes that statement. If I don't, if I don't see him, if I can't see the nails in his hand, if I can't put my hand in his side, then I will not believe. But you remember shortly thereafter, Jesus, he didn't scold Thomas. All he did with Thomas is reveal himself to Thomas. And he says, look, here are the scars. Here's, put your hand in my side. And then what did Thomas do? When Thomas saw a resurrected Christ, he just hit his knees and said, my Lord and my God. And so if you got your doubts, you could be a really great disciple. Just take all those doubts and just bring them to a resurrected Christ and say, you know what? I want to follow you. There's some stuff I don't understand. Would you please get these questions answered for me? That's just honest doubt. Fear is different than doubt. Fear says it's not going to be okay. God cannot be trusted. I know what God says. I just don't think he's actually going to come through. And if you were to read further in the story, it gets kind of crazy. If you read into chapter 14, I mean, these guys, they forget all that God had done. They actually get to the point where they're like, you know what? We ought to just die out here in the wilderness. As a matter of fact, why don't we go back to Egypt? Every time I think about going back to Egypt, I think of that old Keith Green song. It's like, you want to go back to Egypt? It's like, really? You want to go back to Egypt? Why would they say that? because they'd forgotten all that God had done. They have, like we often have, we have spiritual amnesia. We forget, we selective amnesia. We, we, for, we, we remember the tough times, but we forget all the different times that God has come through. For them, I mean, think about this. He had rescued them out of 400 years of slavery. He had done these crazy plagues. I mean, he had done 10 plagues 
to set them free. Read that sometime. Think about what he did. I mean, not just turning the water blood, but frogs and gnats and locusts. I mean, the Passover. Think about all that he had done. And when he set them free, he splits the Red Sea. They get to walk through on dry land. All the manna, the quail, the water, the guidance, all that stuff. And it's like, you can't be trusted. You cannot be trusted. So here's what faith is. Faith, again, is active. This is important for you. It's active confidence. It's active. It does something. Fear is passive. Fear just gets paralyzed and doesn't do anything. Faith is active. You don't have to do anything to be fearful. You just sit there and you're going to get swept away by the tide of fear. Faith is active. Faith does something. Real faith always is going to download into life. And you see it in Caleb. Caleb quieted the people. Caleb said, let us go up. Caleb said, God is able. We are able to take this land. It's very similar to a section of the Bible typically known as the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament. Here's some of the things it said that those people did. It says, by faith they were affected. By faith they blessed. By faith they prepared an ark. By faith they endured mistreatment. By faith they kept the Passover. By faith they left Egypt. By faith walls fell. And all those people, they were looking forward to a coming rescuer. We look back to a resurrected Christ. And so when you look there, uh, he ends chapter 11 and goes into chapter 12 of Hebrews. And here's a verse that would be great to memorize during these difficult times. He says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so what I want to ask you to do is just ask some questions. All right, by faith, what do I need to do? What have I been too fearful to actually do? What God has called me to do? It might not just be in this latest 10, 12, 14 days of craziness. It might have been something God's laid on your heart for a long time. But for whatever reason, it's like, you know what? I, I just don't want to do that, or that scares me, or whatever. And it runs the gamut. It could be as you know, deep as, I'm going to forgive somebody who hurt me. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? Because God promises, and for example, Romans 12, I think around verse 9, it says, listen, listen, do not take vengeance, all right? I will avenge you. I will repay, all right? That's God's job. And so what you're doing is you're taking a promise that God made, and you are downloading it into your life, and then you are walking by faith. You're not walking by fear. You're not saying, you know, what if God doesn't do that? Or what if God isn't just? You're saying, no, God is just because God told me that I'm holding on to a promise, um, downloading. Some of you during these difficult times, you might be saying, you know what, I just kind of want to pull everything in and I'm going to cancel the sponsor in my little child in Ecuador. And it's like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? All right. There's so many promises that God will provide the needs that we have. All right. Philippians 4, 19, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the whole thing that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Like, no, by faith, God's going to provide and I'm going to provide for that little child in Ecuador. Um, by faith, I'm just going to been scared to read the Bible with my family. Just been scared. I don't want to look stupid. I don't know the stories. My wife knows more than me. My kids know more than me. But you know what? By faith, I'm going to take God at his word that I'm to disciple my kids. So we're going to read the Bible. We're going to ask questions, and I'm just going to not be fearful. Some of you are like, um, I don't want to stay in this marriage. But you're like, by faith, I'm going to stay in this marriage. The marriage is hard. It's a lot more woe than it is wow right now. But by faith, I know that God says, you know what? Uh, what God has put together, do not let man separate. And so by faith, what I'm asking him to do is I'm going to go by faith and uh, trust him to bring back the feelings 
but that's walking by faith. And that's not walking by fear. Uh, you might even say, you know what, by faith, I'm going to love my neighbors and I'm going to go and um, help them out. I'm going to go see what they can do. Why? Because God says, love your neighbor. All right. Um, some of you've been scared to get into a small group and how, how awesome would that be? You've been scared to get in a small group and now all the small groups are meeting online. It's like an easy on-ramp here. So by faith, I'm going to get some biblical community and I'm going to, I'm going to get in a small group and it might start off easy on zoom and online. And then guess what? When we start meeting here, whenever that is, we can actually get to meet some of these people. All right. We do that by, we, we do dating that way. We can do small groups and community that way as well. And so, uh, Here's what we just got to, here, here was my fear when I was preparing this message because I was trying to think what, we're obviously not in Romans 8 anymore. My fear would be that because of our lack of faith, there would be some miracles that God wants to do but God doesn't do because we don't have faith, active confidence that God will do exactly what he says he will do. One of the more haunting verses in the Bible is Matthew 13, 58, and it says about Jesus in his hometown, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief, because of their lack of faith. That's, that's stunning that the reason that he didn't do some miracles in his hometown was because his hometown lacked faith that God would do what he said he would, was already more than willing to do. And so what we want to do is we want to be people of faith to say, I'm going to get hold and I'm going to take some promises. It might be one or 50 or whatever. I'm going to take that. I'm going to hold on to it. And I'm going to have a faith that sees the opportunity, not just the obstacle. And then as we look back on this, whenever that time is, it's like, man, look what God did. Look what God did. Because these tough times, as I mentioned at the start, these are, this is not new stuff. Okay. This is not new. what God is calling us to do. What God is calling you to do. It's not new. It's just our turn. This is what God has done all throughout history. Let me read you a little bit of that. By faith in 30 AD, at Caesarea Philippi, there was 12 young men, and Jesus said, on this I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. By faith in 32 AD, he tells 120 people, go and make disciples of all of the nations. In 42 AD, by faith, Mark goes to Egypt. In 51, by faith, Paul goes to Greece. In 52, by faith, Thomas goes to India. In 174 AD, by faith, the first Christians are reported in Austria. In 280 AD, the first church emerges in Italy. In 350 AD, by faith, 32 million Romans confess Jesus as Lord. 596 AD, Gregory sends Augustine to England and by faith, they baptized 10,000 people in just the first two years. In 635 A.D., by faith, the first Christian missionaries go to China. In 740 A.D., by faith, Irish monks make it to Ireland. In 900 A.D., missionaries reach Norway. In 1554, there are 1,500 new Christians in Thailand. In 1612, the first Baptist congregation is started in London. In 1671, missionaries arrive in the Carolinas. In 1889, Fernhill Baptist Church is founded in Asheville, North Carolina. In 1902, George Vanderbilt builds a new church building on Summit Street, and the church changes its name to Biltmore Baptist Church. In 2000, Biltmore Church moves into a new building 
in Arden, North Carolina. In 2012, by faith, the church becomes a multi-site church by launching the Swannanoa campus. Since then, by faith, locations in Hendersonville, Franklin, West Asheville, East Asheville, and in Spanish have been launched. By faith, in the last three and a half years, there's been 2,000 people that have been baptized by faith, showing that Jesus lived the life we were supposed to live, and he died the death we deserved to die, and then he was buried, and then he rose again from the grave. Please hear me. By faith, there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day to say, during that time, during that time of that pandemonium and that pandemic, during that time, by faith, we're going to say today, by faith, you know what? My kids, my kids saw me actually open up the Bible for the first time, and I got to lead my eight-year-old to faith in Christ by faith. You might be able to say, you know what? By faith, we got stuck, we got, we got put in, and we couldn't go to many places. And by faith, a marriage that was on the rocks, a marriage that just was living parallel lives. But because we were stuck together, we started to work through some of our differences and some of our problems. And by faith, our marriage got renewed and our marriage got rescued. We want to look back and look and say, you know what? Remember that day, that day when we actually reached out to our neighbor and we reached out and we left a note on their doorstep and we said, can we help you with anything? Or we went by our senior adult and said, can we help you with any chores? And you know what? By faith, we looked back and we saw that was the first time our neighbors had even shown any interest in faith in Christ. And here we are by faith, watching them be baptized some years later. You know, by faith, our daughter saw us actually practicing what we've been telling her and dragging her to church. And now by faith, she's now been called into the ministry to tell people about Jesus. And so that's what we want to do. We want to have a faith that is greater than our fear. All right, pray with me. Father, thank you for being a good and gracious and sovereign king. You're a good God. You're good all the time. God, what's going on now is unnerving. It makes us want to panic and be fearful. God, you tell us here to walk by faith, to actively put our confidence in the promises that you have made. And so I pray for me and my brothers and sisters watching online that in the days, weeks, or even months ahead, however long it is, that you would find a people that by faith are grabbing a hold of what you have said, believing you for it, and that there would be a day, someday, just like the psalmist says in Psalm 27, I would have despaired if I did not believe that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God, we pray right now. We pray there'd be a day we'd say, this is what you did. This is what you did during that crazy time. You did it in our family. God, we look back and by faith, we're like, there's going to be a time when we look back and say, this is what you did in our church. This is what you did, amazing stuff in our church during those times. You stretched us and you allowed us to serve our neighbors. God, in our community, just a community. We love our community. It's a beautiful community. But by faith, we want to say there's a day coming where we can look back and say, that was the day. That was the day our community began to sense the hand and the touch of God in ways we had never seen before. And so right now, we say we love you. By faith, we want to live for you during these days. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you're doing. And help us to live well for the glory of God and for the good of others. In Jesus' name, amen.